How are we doing? Good, good. I can tell that the Holy Spirit is doing an awesome work here because more of you cheered for hypostatic union than you did free Mexican food. It's <laughs> good stuff. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. This is crazy. I don't know most of you, and most of you don't know me, uh, so that's good. Um, this morning is not so much going to be a sermon as it is going to be more an update as to what's been going on in Twin Falls, Idaho, and just what the Lord is doing there. Um, but before we get going into that, um, I'm going to share a little bit about who I am, uh, what my connection to Taproot is, let you know a little bit about my family, and then uh, we'll move forward. But first, let's pray. If I don't pray, I know Danny just prayed, but if I don't pray, this whole thing will be messed up. So... Let's do it. Uh, Father, again, we, we thank you that we get to gather together this morning. It's, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to see all of these faces, some which I recognize and am just so happy to see and to gain hugs and smiles and to just reconnect with people. I thank you as well for the many faces here this morning that I don't know. It's just a blessing to see, Holy Spirit, how you have been working here in Burien and throughout the whole of this region. And just to hear how the good news is, is spreading, to hear how followers of Jesus are maturing, to hear how you are moving your mission forward. And I pray that this morning would just be another little piece of that, that there would be just a, a, a tangible feeling and an understanding of what it looks like for the word of God to increase and multiply throughout the world, and that you would just impress upon the hearts of some in here this morning, even who are maybe questioning or wondering or, or wrestling through a call, that you would impress deeply upon those hearts uh, that you indeed are sending them. And so I'm asking Holy Spirit for your help, that you would uh, in enable me to speak what you want to have spoken and that, that what I say this morning would be at least a little bit helpful to, uh, to my church, to my home. And so bless this, we ask in Jesus' good name, amen. All right, well, first things first, let me just give you a little bit of uh, information about who I am and then what uh, got me here to Burien several years ago, and then we'll move forward from there. Sound good? As Danny said, my name is Mike. And, and by the way, before I get going, I, I do well with feedback. So if... If I ask a question, generally speaking, like some kind of response is good. Do we do that? Are we good? Yes. There we go. I'm not going to use words like hypostatic union, but um, response. Okay. My name is Mike Littleton, and yeah, good job. <laughs> Maybe not that much, but. <laughs> um, I am 29 years old, and I am married to my beautiful bride, Abby. She's not here this morning, which I know a lot of you are disappointed about, and I'm disappointed too. Um, we've been married for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years this coming February. And we have three kiddos, three boys. Kale is seven years old, and I think he's going on 30 or something like that. It's so funny, little Kale, he just, he sits in conversations with adults as if he is an adult, and he can carry the conversation often more maturely than an adult can. So Kale is seven, and then we have Denny. He's four. He's our little fireball that lives in his own little adventurous world. He's kind of your typical middle child. Um, some of the middle child children are like, yeah, I understand. Uh, and then we have Abe, or Abel is actually his name. We call him Abe, and he's almost two years old, and he, he's just our youngest. He's, he's an adventure. He's a goofball. And uh, we love little Abe. And then we also have number four on the way. So number four is due end of March, early April, somewhere in there. Uh, you could pray for us. I don't know if God is able to, like, change things in the womb, but we really like a girl. <laughs> so uh, if you can just, like, throw those prayers out there, I think you can do that. Um, we kind of assume it's a boy. That's kind of how the record has gone. So uh, we're excited, though, to have baby number four coming in end of March, early April. Uh, we live in Twin Falls, Idaho. For those of you who don't know, uh, does anyone in here not know where Twin Falls, Idaho is? You don't want to admit it. <laughs> it's okay. 
Twin Falls is in south central Idaho, so it's about almost as far south in Idaho as you can go, and it's just kind of right smack dab in the middle of the state. Little town of about 50,000 people, uh, but is growing really quickly. As a matter of fact, they expect us to grow by about 30,000 people in the next three years. And so there's um, a lot of business, big businesses coming into Twin Falls, lots of little businesses coming into Twin Falls. Really excited about the growth there. But um, yeah, we live in Twin Falls, Idaho. And I'm the lead pastor in Taproot Church, Twin Falls. So my connection to Taproot Burien actually goes back a long time. Uh, about 10 or 11 years or so. Danny uh, was the youth pastor at the church that my wife and I went to. I was never actually in his youth group, but when I graduated high school, I started to get involved and and serve quite a bit in that particular church, primarily uh, doing music type stuff. I lead worship for little kids, and and then Danny eventually uh, said that he'd like me to lead worship uh, with him for the high schoolers, and then within that as well, he allowed me to kind of preach a little bit, and so I just began to get involved uh, in, in serving alongside of Danny in that season of life, and then somewhere in the midst of that, um, it became clear to me that God was calling me to be a pastor. I didn't have the slightest clue what that meant. I was uh, 19, had only been married for a couple of months, and I told my wife, I think the Lord wants me to be a pastor, and she's like, hmm. She had no idea what was coming. <laughs> Neither did I. And uh, but we decided that we should probably talk to Danny, and so we talked to Danny, and then he was like, hey, we're praying about planting a church. You should come along with us. And we were like, okay. Uh, so we jumped on board uh, on this church planting team, which at the time consisted of uh, Danny and Alexis and their kiddos, of course. There was another couple, Brian and Lisa, and then there was my wife and I, and then there was Judd Johnstone, who lives in Pittsburgh now. We're still trying to get him to move to Twin Falls. He's still thinking about it, too. Um, and so that, that was the team, and we began working through some uh, curriculum, some materials, and, and just trying to envision, imagine um, a bunch of people uh, who have never planted a church in their lives envisioning what it would look like to plant a church. Uh, we did that for several weeks in a row. Eventually, we, we came to Seattle as a team uh, because Danny was going to get assessed with Acts 29. I had no idea who Acts 29 was, what it was, or anything like that. We were just kind of on board and we were gonna get to go to Seattle, so we thought that was cool. And so we uh, jumped on board, uh, made our way here, and that was, um, that was, that was a real awesome time to, to spend at that. It was Acts 29 boot camp, 2007. Uh, that was the first time I'd really heard some, some serious gospel preaching. Um, it, was, it was pretty life-changing. I remember coming back and just being blown away. I was really excited. And then a couple of months later, I think that was March of 2007, uh, and then in May of 2007, uh, my wife and I pulled the plug. So Danny will tell this story um, in a way that's probably a little different than I will. <laughs> He'll say that we're the ones who bailed. Um, but <laughs> we see it as just that God wanted us to stay in Twin Falls, right? <laughs> um, so we had, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, I think it was more out of fear than anything else. We, we really, my wife and I, uh, we grew up in Twin Falls, basically. And that was home, and so it was terrifying to think that, that we would go to another city uh, that was completely foreign to us, that was completely out of our price range, that was just impossible, essentially. And we just essentially got scared. Um, so whenever he tells the story in the future, you can just know, oh yeah, they're the ones who got scared. It's us. And uh, we stayed back in Twin Falls, and then Danny and his family uh, came here to Burien to replant what is now Taproot Church Burien. Of course, um, What's cool, and I'll just, I'll just put this in here briefly, what's awesome about what God did there is that uh, the team got spread out, and you now have Taproot Burien here. We have Taproot Church, Twin Falls, and then the other couple who wound up also not coming is now planting a church in Salt Lake City. So what, what God had begun, uh, had started, that we were hoping would be one church plant is now three. Um, so it's really cool to see how God how God is the one who multiplies things. That's not something that we'd ever imagined would take place. But uh, I took Danny's job. Um, I became the youth pastor where he was the youth pastor at, and that was an extremely trying season. It was, it was uh, 
that church was going through a transition uh, which led to a lot of financial difficulties, uh, which then just led to me working a ton of hours, um, you, uh, around 80 hours a week sometimes and uh, with my wife and then our first baby, it was just, it got to the point of being way too much. And so we got to a point where we said, we have to get out of here. And I continued to stay in contact with Danny and he said, hey, there's always an open door up here. And I was like, all right, I'll keep that in mind. Well, eventually I got to the point where I wanted to take the open door. And he said, well, you can join us. We're going to do a three-year church plant internship, which by that time I thought that is what the Lord eventually wanted me to do was to go out and plant a church at some point in time somewhere. So he had uh, pitched the idea of this internship. And as a good visionary leader, he made it sound amazing. And um, so we came and for whatever reason, uh, that time we, we didn't have the same fear. We, we sold everything, got out of our house, and uh, just moved without a job or any of that good stuff. We were blessed to move into someone's basement, and, and God just continued to provide. Eventually, I was brought on staff uh, uh, here. I was, uh, first, I was brought on staff as a lead deacon, so I just kind of um, made sure everything happened that was supposed to happen. And then uh, I went through the eldership process and became one of the elders. And I was an elder for two years, I don't know, two or two and a half years or something like that. And that all eventually led to us being sent out to go plant Taproot Church Twin Falls. And I will tell you that what you now have as gospel leadership is not the same thing that I went through. And you are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was... It was good to, to be able to be the guinea pig, and, and I, I, learned, I learned so much in that however long it was, three, three and a half years. And so um, I, I owe a thank you to a lot of you because a lot of you helped to make that happen. And then a thank you to, to you all as well because you're, you continue to support us and, and to continue to help us to do the work that we're doing in Twin Falls. So what I want to do now is just talk a little bit about... Um, why we plant churches, and then I'm going to just basically give an update as to what's been going on in Twin Falls. So like I said, it's not so much a sermon as it is just kind of what we're doing. Sound good? Good. Everyone interested? All right. Good. Go ahead, because I want to get into scripture a little bit. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13 and 14. It's warm in Seattle. It was, <laughs> it was five degrees this morning in Twin Falls. Heat wave. So the first thing I want to just address here is the why of planting churches. I don't know, um, how many of you have heard conversation about church planting? All of us, good. How many of you would say, though, that you know why we plant churches? A few, good. But it gets a little bit more fuzzy, right? We, we talk about church planting. We, we say that this is, this is one of the means by which we make disciples. We uh, taproot, we all have the same language, so we don't have the, I don't even know what you, the gathering language. What was it? Sunday gatherings, home gatherings, and new gatherings, uh, we don't use that specific language yet. I'm sure it'll change eventually. Uh, but we, we say that we make disciples the same, through three means as well. Ours are Sunday gatherings, gospel communities, and planting churches. Okay. But when we throw the language of planting churches out there, things tend to get a little bit fuzzy. We, we kind of wonder what does that mean exactly. Okay. So I just want to talk about a little bit why we plant churches. And, and the reason is, is simple. Jesus, before he ascended, into heaven, he gave his disciples a commission. And what was that commission? To go and to make disciples of all nations, right? So simply put, the reason we plant churches is because it is the result of obeying the great commission of Jesus, okay? Planting churches is the result of obeying the great commission that Jesus gave to us. So in Acts chapter 13, and uh, really throughout the whole book of Acts, this is what we see taking place. We see the early disciples obeying what Jesus had told them to do, 
And the result of that process is that churches are planted or churches are established. So specifically in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, you see there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So Saul had been radically transformed on the Damascus Road. He was on his way to to put Christians into jail and to kill them if he possibly could. He wanted to stop this whole Jesus movement thing. Jesus got a hold of him and saved him. And so now we see Saul, who eventually here becomes Paul, team up with Barnabas, and the Holy Spirit sets them aside to be sent out to preach the gospel. And then what we see happen throughout Acts 13 and 14 is a cycle that continues to repeat itself. Has anyone, have you all heard Danny use the Pauline cycle language at all? So what we see happening in Acts chapter 13 and 14 is this cycle is taking place. And so they go on to the island of Cyprus. They preach the gospel. After they leave Cyprus, they go to Antioch. They preach the gospel. After they are done in Antioch, it goes into Acts chapter 14. They head to Iconium, preach the gospel. They head to Lystra. They preach the gospel. Paul is stoned at Lystra because they don't like what he's saying. But he gets up, preaches the gospel, moves on to Derby, preaches the gospel. And what we see here in Acts 20, or 14, 21... It says that when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so, so what's taking place? Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas go into cities, they preach the gospel. From that, you have disciples who are made, people are following Jesus, okay? And then what forms in that are churches, churches, So the, the point there being that the why of church planting is not necessarily because church planting is the mission in and of itself. It's, it's interesting when you try to think through the language of, of church planting. It, it, it's understandable why it can be confusing. But what church planting is, is it's, it's the result of being faithful to obey the command of Jesus. What happens when the gospel changes, when the gospel transforms people's lives, is that churches are formed. Right? I, I look across the crowd, and see your faces right now, and what is it that's brought you all together? It's the gospel. That's what the commonality is. Your lives being transformed by the finished work of Jesus, and you are now gathered together. A church is planted. A church is established. So the reason we plant churches is because Jesus said to do it. Hello. (laughs) Okay. So we were sent out to Twin Falls to plant a church there, which essentially has looked like us going into the city, preaching the gospel. And from that, a church has gathered together. People united in the gospel have joined together to, to worship Jesus. And we have Taproot Church, Twin Falls. What I love is that God has made the church to multiply and to increase. Um, it's, it's, it's funny how, how quickly we can think to ourselves that we don't like big churches or that we like things to just stay the way that they are. But, and I hear this all the time when people come and visit Taproot because we're a little church. And they always ask the question, do you want to get big? I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of a weird question. It's like, yeah, I kind of want the kingdom to grow. <laughs> don't you? Right? <laughs> I mean, are, are we, gonna, are we going to, to reject, like, oh, I don't, like, think of how arrogant that is, honestly. Like, to say, oh, I just, I want to stay in my small little comfort zone and not see God's word increase and multiply. Okay? God has created the church to multiply. That's what, what we see in Acts 12, 24. It says the word of God increases and the church multiplies. And so we're blessed to just simply be a part of that. 
and, and, I, and, it's, and it's a blessing to hear what's happening here and to know that that's going to continue to be the process, is that people are gonna hear the gospel, they're gonna get saved, they're gonna get gathered together in a church, they're gonna be equipped, and then be sent out, and we're gonna see more churches established here in this city, throughout the state of Washington, into Idaho, through the nations beyond. So, and I just wanna share a little bit about what has been going on in Twin Falls and what the process has looked like for us and what our, our vision and heart is for the city. So um, Twin Falls wasn't our first choice as far as a place goes to plant a church. Twin Falls is not cool, okay? <laughs> and, and, and what I mean by that is, is again, there is, a, uh, there is a culture when it comes to church planting and that culture, generally speaking, is kind of urban, hip, up and coming. None of those words describe Twin Falls. <laughs> uh, Twin Falls is, is it's blue collar. Uh, it, it's one of those places that really people don't really know about too much. Uh, in every sense, it is, an, it, it is a pass-through place. Uh, the interstate runs along Twin Falls, and a lot of people just kind of stay on the interstate and go through. Or they come and they stop and they eat and then they continue moving on, right? Uh, so in every sense, it's not generally speaking a place uh, where people have previously wanted to stay, though we're starting to see more of that happening now as the city's starting to grow and become more urban, cool, and hip. Uh, I'm excited, we're gonna get a brewery in March. <laughs> yes, amen, right? This is a big deal. <laughs> There's gonna be a real brewery that brews real beer in Twin Falls. Anyways, wasn't our first choice. We had, in every sense, we wanted to move to Boise because it was cool, urban, and hip. And it just seemed to make more sense. Uh, there were more people in Boise. Uh, there, were, there was more opportunity in Boise. Uh, you have the university in Boise, go Broncos. And there, it just seemed to make sense. And so, uh, in our process, through, through praying and, and trying to think, okay, God, where do you want us to go? My wife and I, uh, and then the team that we had along with us, Corey and Joanna Damey, and then a few other couples, were praying, and it was like, yeah, Boise is the place to go. So we made a trip to Boise uh, to see if that was indeed where God wanted us to go. Within that process, though, we had someone call us, literally a phone call, and say, hey, we want you to come plant a church in Twin Falls. And I said, no. <laughs> and then uh, they called again, about uh, a month later and said, we really want you to come plant a church in Twin Falls. We've been praying and uh, we just kind of think you're the guy. And I said, no. <laughs> uh, but this time I actually got to the point where I said, okay, I will pray about it. I did not want to go back to Twin Falls. It, there, was, there was history there. Uh, it was where I graduated high school. Uh, there was just a lot of reasons in which I did not want to go back to Twin Falls, Idaho. And my wife was on the same page. We agreed. We do not want to go back to Twin Falls. But we went to Boise and, uh, and it was interesting, as you, you know, you, you expect in, in this whole process that when you go to where you're supposed to go, that you'll know that that's where you're supposed to go. It tends to be how it works. We went to Boise, and it was just Boise. That was it. It was Boise. It was a city. And then in that process, during that weekend, we also went to Twin Falls and met with these people that we said we'd meet with and heard their, you know, what they were thinking when they talked about church planting and everything. And then literally in that process, God just broke our hearts. We had uh, had a conversation with my mom, actually, um, and she was talking about one of the churches in the city, had another conversation uh, with someone in, uh, about the churches, and, and, and what, we, what we found out is what we knew is that in many ways, the church is just very broken, very, very broken. Uh, and then as, as we looked across the city as well, what we saw within that was just people who were very, very broken, and in many, in many ways, because Twin isn't urban, hip, or cool, just kind of forgotten about. And, and, and what, what we saw uh, within that was it's just easy to look over, and then what you see within Twin Falls is it's, it's easy to get stuck into a lifestyle of just kind of just going with the flow, and just kind of being in that place of being forgotten about and just kind of being, oh, little Twin Falls, like nothing good comes from Twin Falls. Um, it's true. But what God did is he broke our hearts for that city, and it was my wife, uh, and this is good for anyone in here who's wrestling with the call through uh, whether or not you're supposed to plant a church, your wife will, will help. She will help to confirm what you're doing and where you're supposed to be going. 
And so as, as we were driving back to her parents' house, my wife was crying, and I was like, what's wrong? And we both looked at each other, and we just said, Twin Falls is where we're supposed to plant the church. That's why we were crying. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, we were crying because God had, he had broken our hearts for the city, and, and my wife, she looked at me, and she said, uh, Boise is a place, but Twin Falls is people. And, and, and when you think about it, what are, what are we, the church, uh, for lack of a better word, in the business of? People, right? And so we agreed, yeah, we have to go where God has called us to, the people. And so specifically, we were called to the people of Twin Falls. We were able to look all of the little funkiness in Twin Falls. And then within that, God just confirmed uh, for me through Matthew chapter 9 why we were going to Twin Falls. Because I was really struggling. And every church planner has a verse. Danny has a verse. What's yours? It's Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel 36. If he hasn't told you, you'll hear it at some point in time. Every church planner has like a verse that's just like, that confirms that this is what we're doing and this is where we're supposed to go. And for me, it was in Matthew 9. I was struggling, I was praying, God, why Twin Falls? I don't want to go to Twin Falls. And then in my daily reading that I do, I was in Matthew 9 and I read this in verse 35. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so that was, that was kind of the, the propelling, this is, this is indeed where you're supposed to be. And because what I saw in that is that, that it's the gospel that transforms lives. Right? It's, it's not us, ourselves. It is, it is the power of the gospel which transforms lives. So Jesus goes through, preaches the gospel, preaches this good news, and lives are transformed. People are healed. And then he looks upon the crowds and he has compassion for them. They're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that was the vision that I had. And when I say vision, I don't mean some kind of weird psychedelic vision. I just, that's just what I saw in Twin Falls was people who, in many ways, even though they were, they were highly religious, we're at the same time harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and we're, we're just kind of funneling through uh, the, 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 the religious system, whether that be in the Christian church, whether that would have been in the LDS church, wherever it was, and they were just being told over and over again that you need to live good lives in order to please God. And, and that is a horrible weight to live under. Okay? None of us can live under that weight. None of us in here can, can, can sit joyfully under live better to make God happy. Right? That's why we so boldly proclaim Jesus because, because it's in and through the work of Jesus that God is pleased with us. Right? It, is, it is that he looks upon us now who have faith in him and he sees Christ in us. And I will tell you, that is life-changing, life transforming news, absolutely transforming. And so God had broken our hearts, given me this text in particular, and Twin Falls was where we were headed. And our, our vision is simple. We wanna know Jesus and make him known. And we really just try to keep it as simple as that because I'm convinced, because this is what we see in scripture, is that when, when we know Jesus, you will be, you will get to a place where you can't help but make him known, right? That's why you guys just finished up the, the series uh, through the prayers of Paul, right? And what you see over and over and over again through Paul's prayers, his prayers aren't for uh, strategic missional opportunities. They're prayers that the churches would know God, right? And so our prayer for the city is that we would simply know Jesus and make him known. And that's been happening, it's been awesome, it's been slow, slow going, but it's been happening. So, uh, what we did is we arrived March 1st, 2014, and we began with a group of 13 of us in our house. And uh, we just began working through um, Gospel and Life by Tim Keller. That's, right, that's what you should do as a church planner, is go through something that Tim Keller did. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost a guarantee, it's gonna work. Um, 
And it was great because no one can articulate the gospel quite like Tim Keller. So I was like, I don't even have to do anything. I'm just going to play the video. People are going to get changed. And, uh, and so we just, we did. We worked through Gospel and Life uh, by Tim Keller. And then in that process, we also just began to establish what does it look like for us to be a community. So we just gathered together every week. We ate meals. Uh, we talked about how life was going. Uh, we prayed. And then we just imagined what would it look like for the gospel to saturate the city of Twin Falls? What would it look like for people's lives to be transformed in the city of Twin Falls? And, and just began through that process. We did that for about three months. And then in that time, I also, uh, there was a coffee shop that I frequented there, and the owner of the coffee shop was like, hey, uh, you know, if you ever want to get out of your living room, you can meet at the coffee shop. And I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea. How cool is that, right? And, uh, and it was for free, so it was even cooler. And so we said, okay. So on June 1st, 2014, this is three months after we had moved uh, and had been doing some work, we decided, okay, we'll meet in the coffee shop. And our first Sunday evening was crazy because we had like 75 people show up to our little gathering in the coffee shop. I don't even know how that happened, but it happened. And, and then they all just stayed. And so we began to just, 1375, and, and not, not, not just 75, but 75 very confused, hurting people. Very confused, hurting, questioning, and, and, and ter terrifying. I was terrified. Because you have all of these eyes who are really just looking and questioning very hardly. <laughs> they they want to know if this is the real deal or if you're just going to be some of the guy who's just going to mess with their hearts. And so we uh, worked through the summer, meeting on sun Sunday evenings, just establishing who we are as a church, what it means to be the church, what it means to engage the city as the church, to love and bless people, and just over and over and over preaching the gospel. Uh, and people stayed. And then after three more months, we finally moved to the Boys and Girls Club and transitioned to Sunday morning gatherings. And then <clears throat> we transitioned into 2015, where we've just kind of seen just slow, steady uh, foundations in the gospel being built. And within that, we're seeing lives transformed. So I'll work through what some of the evidences of grace are uh, that have been taking place in Taproot Church, Twin Falls specifically. Uh, first and foremost, the gospel is being believed. And it's, it's wonderful. And then what we're seeing within that is that the saints are maturing. The saints are maturing. So there's, there's a, a text that continues to guide me, Colossians chapter 1. Paul says, Him we proclaim, Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And so we, we've tried to keep this, this passage at the forefront of what we're doing in Taproot, and, and, it's, and it's happening. We're beginning to see, by God's grace, people maturing. Saints who have, who have been in the church for 10, 15, 20, 30 or more years, uh, actually getting to a place where they're, they're over and over like, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. And then, not only that, but believing that and, and, and implementing it into their lives and in actually engaging the city in ways that they've never experienced. It was interesting as I... <clears throat> so I remember through our process here, I had a hard time with the gospel. Which sounds weird. And you're like, what are you talking about? I can have a hard time with the gospel. Many times the gospel feels like it doesn't work. I don't, I don't know if you've uh, experienced this, but uh, it, there's some sort of, because we're so bent on believing that we have to earn our way, we have to please God by the things that we do and the things that we say, there's something that disconnects when, when you're told that you are loved no matter what you do or don't do. That takes, that takes time to really understand and believe. And I, I had numerous conversations with Danny because I just wanted, I wanted, to, I wanted to say, no, I, I think we just need to, to do things. <laughs> we just need to do better. We've got to get the work done. And so I'm thankful that he didn't listen to me um, and just continued to preach the gospel. Right? And then was able to carry that into the work that we're doing in Twin Falls, which has led me, by God's grace, to continue to just faithfully preach the gospel week after week after week. And it's 
wonderful to see people over and over say, I've never heard the gospel preached like that. I've been in the church for 20 years, and I've never heard the gospel preached like that. Because what it often is, is we, we, we tend to take the gospel and put it to that one little teeny tiny moment where uh, you're told at the end of a sermon to, to raise your hand and say a prayer saying that you believe in, in Jesus. And then, and then you have to go live the rest of your life hoping that you can continue to, to satisfy him. And so we begin to come and, and, and to preach that this is good news for every single day. That every single day, God looks at you whose faith is in the finished work of Jesus Christ and he sees Christ in you. He looks at you, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see who you should be, right? He sees who you are, who you've become in Christ. And that is so motivating for the way that we live. How, how freeing is it when you, when you hear, okay, this is how God sees me. That frees you to know that, that no matter what failure happens today, God's still going to be perfectly pleasing you. Not because of you, but because of Christ. So people are believing this, and it's leading to, to conversions. Uh, so we got to, we've, we've seen a couple of conversions. It's fun. We're at the place where um, I could count them, too. Uh, two in particular yes (laughs) Um, the first one was uh, my brother Don and uh, Don it was funny it was a night at the coffee shop he didn't want to go to the coffee shop he didn't want to go to church and he's like but I had to I felt like I had to we get done and he's like he, he calls me and he's like I felt like you were talking to me I was like, well, I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you were there, yes, but I wasn't like, didn't have you in mind necessarily. And he's like, but you were talking specifically to me. And Don is, is just one of these cases who has been in the church. I think, I think he had been in the church for about 15 years. And he's describing what happened. And I was like, Don, I think you, I think you got saved. He's like, I think I did. <laughs> and he did. And so uh, Don was our first legitimate conversion. And that was that was awesome, actually, because it was that week again, I was like, Lord, why Twin Falls, Idaho? And, uh, and then that week again, I was in my reading, and I got to Matthew 9 again and read that, and then that weekend, uh, Don had gotten saved. And then so we um, were able to baptize him. We were able to baptize two other people as well that summer who had uh, been previously saved, just not baptized. And then just this last weekend, uh, Kennedy, who's a, a 16-year-old gal in our church, uh, she also same thing. She had come up to us afterwards and said, I, I got saved. And I was like, that's awesome. And what was cool, what was cool about it is I was, um, there wasn't anything in particular that I thought was evangelistic. There wasn't like any crafty get you sermon. It was just the Holy Spirit doing what he does. And so we're beginning to see uh, these conversions take place, which is just exciting. She wants to get baptized, so we'll do that here in a couple of weeks, probably maybe when the temperatures warm up a bit. (laughs) It's cold in the Boys and Girls Club, especially when it's five degrees outside. Uh, We've established three gospel communities, and we're hoping to multiply all of those this year because our GCs are like 20 to 30 people each, which is way too many. Um, So we're hoping that those will multiply this year. Uh, We we all, as GC leaders, have other men, families that we see that our GCs can multiply to, and so we're hoping that'll happen. You can be praying for us in that. We're working through our first round of what we call Equip, which is uh, similar to what you'll have as your one-year gospel leadership course. Uh, We've been working through that. We have, I think, six couples um, who are doing that, and that's been um, a lot of fun to just have conversation and uh, to, to really to see people uh, hungry and, and to see people excited about the mission that Jesus has sent us on. So we've been working through that, hoping through that as well that we, we, we see some leaders rise up. There's an appetite for mission uh, that's being fueled by the gospel. Uh, one such case is with Don. So Don, he works at a, a plant, uh, the Chabani plant in Twin Falls, which is huge. And he was telling me, he's like, Mike, a couple of weeks ago, there's this guy who came up with me, and he has, he has bipolar, and, and Don has bipolar too. And he came up, and he's like, hey, Don, you're, you're religious, right? And Don's like, well, well, yeah. And he's like, and you have bipolar, right? 
He's like, yeah. And so they started talking about, you know, their stuff together. And the guy that Don works with just asked, you know, how do you, how do you deal with this? And Don's like, well, let me tell you. He talked about Jesus, um, which is awesome. So it's hard work. <laughs> um, see, I can't cry, because if I cry, I can't talk. Because I don't cry and talk well, so I'll just end up here and make jokes until I stop. There we go. <laughs> um, we're relatively diverse, which is cool in Twin Falls. When I say relatively diverse, I mean like we have um, six people who are not white. <laughs> um, Twin Falls is, it's, it's, it's white. It's white as white can be. And so uh, when people who are not white show up, um, it's noticeable. But what we actually have is beyond racial and ethnic diversity, we also have um, a really unique age diversity, especially for someone who's young like me. Uh, I think a lot more people are actually older. Well, that's not hard. Um, but we have a range uh, from, from seasoned saints um, all the way down to, to young saints. And so I love the, the beauty that we have of the diversity there. Uh, Danny prays all the time for piles and piles of babies. We don't because Danny's prayers affect us in <laughs> Twin Falls. And so we have tons of, of mamas having babies. Actually, last night, I got a text message about 2 a.m. Uh, because the guy who was supposed to take our trailer uh, to the Boys and Girls Club and unlock the building texted me and a couple other guys and said, my wife is in labor. I'm not going to make it. I was like, I'm in Seattle. Neither am I. Like, uh, so it worked out, but babies, uh, Liz and Josiah, who are a couple who actually moved from Renton, uh, they just had a baby a couple weeks ago, so just, this is a blessing to see the church multiplying like that from the inside. Um, along with the diversity that we're seeing in the church, we have a, a family of six who recently moved to Twin Falls from Rwanda, and they've been uh, with us for the past I want to say about six weeks, uh, basically since they moved. They were refugees. Uh, they were in refugee camps in Rwanda for over 20 years. And, uh, and they moved to Twin Falls through the CSI refugee program. And then my family, personally, we've been able to uh, mentor them and, and just help them get situated in Twin Falls in an entirely new world. Um, and we pick them up every Sunday, and they gather with us, and they just they love it. At least they seem to love it. So they keep coming. Uh, actually, there was a couple of weekends ago, uh, I was going to not pick the family up because I had just flown in from Dallas. It was late and I was tired and I slept in and I just wanted to go with my family. And they called me about five minutes before the gathering. They don't speak a lick of English. But the, the dad, I gave him my phone number for when he was going to get his cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone, so he went and he had to go knock on his neighbor's doors to find a phone to call me to pick his family up to come gather with us. So that was fun. Um, and so we've been, we've been able to, 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 to just be a part of this family's life. We've recently made um, connections with the Muslim community in Twin Falls, which is a really big deal. Really big deal. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. Um, but we've been made, made, made those connections. And then Taproot is just beginning to be recognized slowly but surely as a church who actually loves Jesus and actually loves the city. And so uh, more and more people are like, hey, yeah, we've heard about you guys, and uh, we're hearing good things uh, beyond just, uh, I don't know, church stuff. And so that's been exciting to hear. As well, we have a couple in the Middle East, and uh, we're praying and, and, and just talking about what it looks like to establish churches in the Middle East, specifically uh, Israel, Syria, that kind of area. So that's exciting. Some of the difficulties we faced, um, I'll just give you a few. False expectations of community. Okay. And just let this be an exhortation. If you have false expectations of what the community of the church is to look like, it will be destructive. Okay. And, I, and I say that because I want you to know that your leaders, whether that be your elders, your deacons, or your HG leaders, you see that? HG? Yes. Uh, you cannot expect them to do everything. 
And you cannot expect them to be everything. Jesus is the only one who can fill that role. And so one of the, the issues that we had early, early, early on uh, was that we had a couple in particular who expected us to just kind of be everything. And we just didn't meet their standards of community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote a book. I think it was called Community. Life Together, that's it. Thank you, you've read it. Um, and he says, every human wish dream that is injected in the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. What we have to understand, church, is that what unites us is Jesus. What, what forms and what keeps the community of followers of Jesus together is Jesus. And, and in light of Jesus, you can continue to work through the disagreements and the dysfunction and the tensions and the stuff, and, and more than that, you can work through the things that aren't necessarily satisfying you. And you can come to a place because of Christ to serving one another in community. False expectations of community are, are tough. Um, typical consumeristic church stuff is another difficulty that we face. There's just kind of a revolving door of people that just kind of come and go and then come and go, and we're all used to that. And then as well, one of the bigger difficulties that we faced recently is um, Christians who are just unkind. <laughs> so uh, particularly surrounding the refugee populations. This is one where, where I really want y'all to, to think through and pray through, okay? So remember, Twin Falls is white, and with the Syrian refugee crisis, um, a lot of bad information snuck into Twin Falls, and, and, and people, in particular, a small group of Christians, uh, began to rise up and, and very, uh, very vocally and um, tried to shut the refugee center down, the refugee program down that we have, that brings refugees into Twin Falls. And in particular, what it was, it, was, it just stemmed from it stemmed from bad information, uh, it stemmed from lack of good information, and then also is deeply motivated by, by fear and just uncertainties. And then a lot of people who think that their being an American comes before being a Christian. That's not how it's supposed to work, just so you know. Your primary identity is a follower of Jesus. We are Christians who are Americans, not Americans who are Christians. Okay? And, and so um, it's done a lot of damage lot of damage in our city. It's been heartbreaking to see, uh, in particular, people uh, from the churches. And of course, what happens is these people are known as Christians. And so what does it do? It gives a bad name to the whole church. Right? And, and so uh, people look at the churches and they just say, oh, you guys, you hate Muslims, you hate refugees. And it's not the case. And so we have been uh, very adamant as a church about our stance and that we, we love them. Um, I, I imagine there's reasons for which we can be fearful, but I, I'm pretty sure that God has those under control. And so, because I can trust that he's more sovereign than I am, that he understands more than I do, I can trust in that. And I can know that his commission was to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and what's beautiful is that the nations are coming to us. Right? And, and, this, and this isn't anything new for you in Seattle, right? It's extremely, the South End especially, is extremely diverse. But in Twin Falls, what's been fun to, to do is to say, look, we've all thought it like nostalgic and especially godly for those people to save up tens and thousands of dollars to go on missions overseas to unreached people's groups where you'd have to spend years learning their language and then eventually be able to get the gospel to them. What is God doing? He's bringing them to us and he's teaching them our language and it's free. <laughs> like, all we have to do is love them and serve them and, and talk and communicate and and so we've been in that place as a church, which has uh, led to a lot of other people not liking us, which I'm okay with. It's a good reason to not be liked. Um, but we, we, we really, I, I need you all to be praying for us and how to continue to deal with the refugee situation in Twin Falls, because I'm personally just overwhelmed and tired by it. And what's more tiring than anything is watching over and over again uh, people mix the name of Jesus uh, with hatred of people that they don't even know, people whose stories they've never heard, right? 
And, and I, don't, I don't know what God is going to do in all this, but it's interesting that, that Saul of Tarsus was kind of, you know, passing through Syria when God took him off of his high horse and saved him. Right? And I, I imagine he can do the same thing because that's the kind of God that he is. So those are some of the bigger difficulties that we are um, facing. How you can be praying, praying for that specifically. Uh, pray that Jesus would, would be known and, and made known in our city and that we'd be a blessing to the city. We're in a season where we're going through some growing pains as well, we're, um, which is just hard as a, a young church to figure out. So there's the details of the Sunday gathering, which you all experience as well. Uh, I need an office space because our new baby's gonna kick me out of mine. So uh, I need a place to, to have an office in the city that costs money. And then as well, there's the working up of a new budget. So we're kind of growing a little bit. And with that, you have the increase of a budget. But then it's terrifying because you don't know how much to increase the budget because you just don't know what's going to happen. And then we don't have any history either. And so we're, we're trying to, to see what that looks like. So you can be praying as I work through that as well. You can be praying, I need leaders. I really need leaders. And so I'm praying uh, through 2016 to see elders and deacons and GC leaders established more than what we have now, and you can pray that God would just uh, especially raise up those men who are going to be helpful and, and who are going to lead well and who ultimately love Jesus. And then I'd also ask that you just continue to pray for my family. Um, you know, Satan, uh, he hates this whole thing, and he doesn't like the families who do it, and the reality is that for all of us, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, uh, but against spiritual forces of darkness, and so please just continue to be praying for my family. Be praying for my wife Three boys are insane, and then um, a fourth, whatever child this is going to be, is going to just add to the insanity. And then church planting is, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, leading a church in general is tough. And so you uh, keep that in mind from someone who's on the outside. Pray for your pastors. Okay? Pray for those men. They're doing hard work. Let's pray. Um. Just thank you, Jesus, for, for what you're doing, for what you've established. Just thank you that we get to be a part of it. And I, I pray that you would just continue to bless us now as we sing songs. Just thank you for my, my, my home church, my sending church. Thank you for the prayers of these people. Thank you for getting to, to meet and see lots of new faces and just to, to continue to be a part of what you're doing here in Burien. And I'm excited, Lord, about how you're going to continue to join us together uh, to see the gospel move forward throughout the nations. And so let us uh, be excited. And I, again, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would impress deeply upon the hearts of, of people here in Burien um, a desire to see the gospel go forth and churches planted. Uh, it's in your good name that we pray. Amen.